You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You've heard us talk about DraftKings the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup for DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Just draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 26, as the Rangers make it three in a row, and they beat the Sabres and Devils Devils, and now they are closing in on the Pittsburgh Penguins, which they face off tomorrow, Sunday night, and again on Tuesday. So a huge two games coming up, and a possible four-point swing as the New York Rangers look to press and make the make the playoffs and capture that fourth spot, but... Before we get into all that, Andy, how are you doing? I said I would only be happy if the Rangers got uh, four out of four points against the Devils, and they did. So I'm happy. You know, there are definitely things to nitpick, but I'm. It's been with the luck the Rangers have had this year. It would be stupid of me to just keep. Uh, you know, when something good happens to them, even if it if there's some uh, I have some issues with it, I'm just going to say I'm really happy with their performance. Uh, again, definitely not perfect. And definitely things they, they're still going to need to work on and improve. But at least now we're getting the type of performance out of them. And all without Panera, might I add, for where right. I feel this team should be at, at relative to their where they are at in their age level and development curve. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, the last three games, obviously we're playing the bottom feeders of our division and games that you have to win. And they are winning. And it certainly helps um, when you get, you know, guys back from injury and you know, it just uh, opens up more possibilities and more line combinations. And you just saw, you know, the last two games, what it meant to have Heedle in the lineup, you know, having an established center in this lineup is huge for the New York Rangers because that kind of drives the success of our already, you know, very good wingers. And, you know, again, I think looking back at before the season started, we had big question marks down the middle and Heedle has, you know, started out the season so hot and, and it was nice having him there. And then we lost him for about six weeks there. And, and now he comes back and, you know, he's able to, you know, put in, you know, put home a goal tonight and for today and, you know, just establish himself as right now our number two center, uh, you know, behind Strom. And, you know, as Mika continues to struggle, we need other guys to step up and kind of fill in that void that, you know, that Mika was filling last season. So, I mean, Andy, I mean, let's start, 
you know, let's start with this right now. You know, what does it mean to the Rangers to have Heedle back in this lineup? And and certainly Kako too, but more more so down the middle with Heedle with Heedle's presence. Oh, it's absolutely huge. I mean, just his his uh, size and speed alone backs up the opposing team and forces them on their heels. He can skate pucks out of danger. He can gain the zone with relative ease. And now he's adding new elements to his game. He's becoming a much better facilitator. That backhand. A little sauce uh, to Rooney for the goal was beautiful. And yeah, I mean, you just look at when he's on the ice, it's the well, the Rangers are almost overwhelmingly a positive goal differential team in terms of pre- preventing chances against and then driving, you know, chances for. And uh, I saw on uh, Twitter that Shana Goldman, who does uh, covers the Rangers for the athletic and specifically with uh, analytics, was doing. Uh, yeah, looking at his uh, goal, you know, GSVA, which is basically like a you know, a positive goal differential driver and player comparables. And yeah, his comparables were, you know, guys like Elias Lindholm and Braden Shen, who I know you love. So in terms of, you know, his, uh, his projectability. So you can definitely see him becoming a guy who maybe he never becomes an elite point producer, but he is, you know, his overwhelmingly driving play in a positive direction. And yeah, he's a, that's the type of players this team really needs. And you just saw just how, how much, night and day they've looked having him back in the lineup and it's funny we're doing all this without Panarin right now and I mean just at least the you see the attention to detail all the players have had the young guys especially have been so much better with their play off the puck they're finally getting it I mean Jacques Martin I guess continues to pay dividends for this team uh which is something I, I want to get into a little bit later on the podcast but no, it, like it's just such a breath of fresh air having him out there, and just whenever he's on the ice, it's just I never really see him doing anything bad. It just always seems to be positive, even if it doesn't result in a in a goal. But right now, it seems that he's kind of picked up right where he left off, and good things are happening when he steps on the ice. Yeah, and you, if you look at Heedle's career too, it feels like he's been here for five years already, but he's still so young, and he's, he's still yeah, he's <laughs> no, twenty. Is he twenty one? He just he might he might have turned twenty one this this year, like recently. Yeah. But, you know, you look you look at his career, the kid was, you know, expected to come in right off the bat. And and, you know, there wasn't really hype because he was taken, what, 21st, I believe, overall. Um, and the same year that we had Leas Anderson. So and if you look at, you know, the redraft of that draft class, you know, Beatles, he's like a top five player in that draft. So, you know, for the Rangers to have this much success and 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 to give him this opportunity and. Now to kind of see him start, you know, his his experience start to pay off and and how he's developed over these past few seasons, you know, it's great to see. And it's like it just goes to show you like what having a little bit of patience does. Um, you know, I, I really do feel like his turning point of his career was when he was originally sent down last season and, you know, uh, began the season in the AHL. And it was kind of almost like a gut check. And, you know, he dominated absolutely dominated the ahl and it just showed that you know he's not an ahl player he's an nhl player he just needed time and that experience i think almost flipped the switch for him and ever since then i feel like he's elevated his game and he continues to get better and the rangers i don't know what the future holds for hedel but the rangers certainly need him if they're not going to make a move obviously for like a jack eichel so you know again this is this is big, you know, for the Rangers and, you know, it just makes the potential loss of maybe, you know, Mika Zibanejad, you know, that much easier to, to take if, you know, you have Heedle in the, in the arsenal here. Another player I really want to get into too, because there, to me, there's just a huge question mark. You know, I, I feel like we kind of wrote Ryan Strom off as this, you know, product of Panarin, but what is Ryan Strom? What is he, Andy? Well, you know what? I've been thinking about this too, and I actually wanted to bring it up, so I'm glad you did. And that, look, if you look at Ryan Strom's numbers before Panarin got here, he was good for when the Rangers flipped him for Spooner, if you remember. You know, he had a pretty good season um, in the second half of the year. He was slow at first, but then something clicked, and he was pretty good for the Rangers. You know, I think we remember him that last game of the season, even though the Rangers weren't in the playoffs, he scored uh, the OT winner against the Penguins. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Um, and it kind of ended the season on like a positive note. It's like, wow, they're actually starting to build towards something here, even with the letter that they can, you know. And obviously Panarin comes and he obviously if you put he has a heart caliber season. So and Strom, yeah, clicks with him. They have good chemistry and things work. But you notice there are some uh, defensive deficiencies in Strom's game. 
and you realize that the more he plays with Panarin, just because Pan- Strom, despite coming uh, being a first, uh, you know, first round pick, I think he was what fifth or sixth drafted overall by the Islanders, and having the type of you know he was originally playing with John Tavares, and he kind of had that, uh, yeah, he had that aura about him being a pick, but it kind of faded when he was in in Edmonton, right? Because you know, he gets traded for what Griffin Reinhardt. Um, and then just, it doesn't kind of, he doesn't really click with Hall or Nugent Hopkins or McDavid even really. Uh, and I think everyone just like, all right, he's a third liner. That's who he is. But maybe he was just a late bloomer. I mean, and listen, the thing is, I do think that he is a player that is good offensively, but might have his warts defensively. But what now he's playing in a system where, you know, he's not, he's not killing as many penalties as he was last season, right? It's mm-hmm. mostly Buchnevich just seemed to take over most of that time. I they may have used him a few times on the PK, but I haven't noticed him too much this season. And now the Rangers as a whole are playing good team defense. So if that kind of mitigates what you know his liability defensively, and what you're left with is a guy who's just can is a smart offensive hockey player, and this is what you get. And I mean, listen, Kreider is obviously also on a fire right now. Mm-hmm. So you have two players, you know, and but you have to I, you'd have to give them credit, even though we're we're tough on those two guys. They've really stepped up recently, you know, and even Strom. It's, you know, everyone's talking about Kreider, but Strom, I think, has like what he's got nine points in his last seven or eight games or something like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of eat crow. So I think to the question of what is Ryan Strom, I think he is a second line offensive winger is what I would say. Like a and a good one. I think he's good on the power play. He's a good. He's a really. He's very smart, obviously, because he's. You know, I think he realizes what his skills are now, and he's definitely worked on his skating. I think he's a much faster skater than he was when he came into the league. But um, yeah, he's just smart, and he does think at least offensively, and he kind of plays within himself, and he's a good facilitator. So he just he's very good at being opportunistic, and for a team that's now playing good defense, I think that brings the best out of him because. He's a player that when you just uh, when you have to flip the script on a dime to offense, he's very good at that. And he's good at taking the other team by surprise by, you know, he can fake shots. That backhand he had over uh, Blackwell was absolutely beautiful. You know, he collects the puck in one motion, looks like he's going to bring it to his forehand, but instead he just kind of chips it up uh, far post. And it's, that was a beautiful goal. So, yeah. So I think to the question of what he is, I think he's a second line uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say he's a, you know, maybe he's not the most traditional center in the traditional sense in terms of like, you know, defensive two way facilitator. You know, he's almost like a center who maybe plays a little bit more like a winger. But uh, yeah, I mean, as long as you have good play drivers with him, or especially a guy like Panarin who can drive play from the wing like a center, I think it kind of mitigates that. And especially with the way the Rangers are playing defensively. But, you know, in past seasons, I think we've seen when the Rangers have their lapses and have been run and gun. Yeah, that's where his warts have kind of really shown through. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he's playing like this, I'm a, you're afraid to give him a, a Panarin inflated contract. But if his numbers are going to be down and maybe they can resign him for something not egregious, then I would be all for it, I think. Right. And, you know, right now we have him on a two year deal. You know, it's obviously was maybe looking back now, obviously, it's the best contract we did during the offseason. But, you know, it's one of the safest plays that the Rangers have done in a while in terms of a player that did kind of have a question mark on him. Uh, so looking looking for me, though, and, and I got one more question for you about sure. Ryan Strom. You know, I feel like his success could be is like almost like a double edged sword for himself. He could end up playing his way off this team if he keeps putting up the numbers in terms of a trade, because I feel like the the higher the numbers that Ryan Strom puts up, the more teams would probably be willing to take him, you know, before a, you know, a potential playoff run. So uh, Strom would be a very nice addition to many teams that, you know, will be fighting for a Stanley Cup. And man, it's just, uh, it's just weird because the, the more I kind of fall for Ryan Strom, the more I feel like he's, it's, you know, it's his own doom to have success here in New York, especially if he likes it here, which I don't know why he wouldn't, because this has been, you know, obviously the best he's been, he's played in his entire career. Yeah, and listen, if they're going to move on from Strom, a it has it has to be for a center because that's where they're weakest. They're flush on the wings, and they have so many more defensive uh, prospects coming up than they can, you know, fit right. in their pants pocket. But it ha- would have to be for 
you know, I think you'd have to, the Rangers might even have to add on to him, but it have to ha- might have to be payment for, you know, a good second, you know, a promising second line center who's either younger or just has a little bit more runway in front of him. Cause how old is Strom now? Ryan Strom, he's, he's what, 27. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe they look for a guy who's like 24 or 25, but is like, you know, promising, especially considering the, the age of some of their other players. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because we say we say this now, but at the same time, some guys kind of have a, re- a reputation, and Strom hasn't had much playoff experience in general. You know, really only the Rangers, you know, that I can remember notably, at least obviously with the Rangers, only his time in the bubble, which was like everyone else was kind of short, and you know he had a fight to try to get him going. But yeah, you just don't know is that is Ryan Strom the type of guy in the playoffs when things kind of really tighten up and he can't doesn't have his time and space and it's going to have to be a little bit more of a slog is he going to be able to break through so i don't really know the answer to that you know and i think in a lot of ways you want um yeah you want your potential middle six center to be able to do that but um yeah i i I still don't kind of know but at the same time i i'd be lying if i'd said the way he's really stepped up the team seems to love him he loves being in new york and you know rangers fans have found many reasons to kind of disparage the guy and yeah listen he's not definitely not a perfect player but at the same time it's like he's never really given them a a rangers or you know fans a concrete reason to be like you know what this guy isn't like can't hold down a spot in this roster it's like he can but the problem is it's just for whatever reason whether it's playing with panarin or whatever is that there's just this fear that he's going to be the latest in an overpayment, you know, especially after they're already overpaying Truba and his age. And it's just a lot, you know what I mean? It's one thing to give that money to a much younger player, but to give it to a guy who's going to be 27, 28, one in their hand to get out, it's scary, you know? So that's probably the most likely reason for it. But, you know, the Rangers did the right thing and who knows? I mean, they're finally stringing together some good games here, but the problem is with the division being self-contained and everyone playing each other, it just seems like no matter what, it won't be enough. And that start that the Rangers got off to is going to end up killing them because it's like, Oh, we gained traction. And you look at all the teams in front of them. It's like, well, it's like, yeah, the the Penguins won, but but they beat, and they beat the the flyers, but you know, the Islanders win again. And it's just, you know, as long as those teams keep just kind of passing points to each other and no one gets in a real bad rut, no one else besides Buffalo and and New Jersey, it's going to be real hard to make up ground, you know? Right. And, and you, you know what? It starts tomorrow, though, if they want to make up ground because they have a, they a have golden opportunity. Yeah, they have golden opportunity here. They play Pittsburgh back to back. Again, Pittsburgh is one of those teams where, um, you know, they're kind of just a mixed bag. You know, uh, they're a very good home team, obviously, eight and two. They're, you know, under 500 on the road. So we are going into a building where, um, you know, they have had a lot of success, but uh, their last 10, they're six and four. They've been trending upwards. But, Again, we're four points out against them. They won today, so they are now at 27 points tied with Philly. Philly has two games in hand there. But again, a potential. there's a potential for the Rangers to be tied with the Pittsburgh Penguins at on Tuesday in terms of points if we can steal the next two games from them. Obviously, Pittsburgh will have a uh, Rangers will. Uh, no, we'll play the same amount of games. So. Again, you know, th- these are all golden opportunities, and, and I know we kind of go into every single podcast stating how crucial the next week is but you know with a shortened season it's just every game is so critical and the rangers can't afford to have a breakdown like they did in the beginning of the season against the penguins where you know you know they only got one of four points because they blew leads late in the game it's like it's just amazing you know you know as the rangers progress here through the season you know we applaud them for their you know, their defense has improved greatly. Their, you know, D-zone play has just been, you know, outstanding. I think their younger players have, have to be applauded, especially, you know, Ke'Andre Miller, you know, the, the way he's been playing. And, and I was actually expecting a little bit of a digression from the beginning of the season, but he just, you know, proves to be so reliable on, you know, anywhere on the ice. So um, that's good to see. You know, there, again, it's just, it leaves me with no reason to see why the Rangers can't compete the playoff spot i it, it's unlikely that they probably make it just given how the the vision is structured but again you just want them to be able to compete you know you know you got to beat buffalo you know you got to beat new jersey and you know pittsburgh again is one of those teams that if you can beat them consistently you're going to be right there and um that fourth spot seems to be up for grabs as the islanders remain hot 
Capitals are kind of just plugging away, even though they're kind of a mixed bag too. But they just seem to get points every night, whether it's an overtime or uh, a shootout. And then Boston is just going to Boston itself way, you know, itself into the finals probably. But yeah, no, go and ahead. I think go ahead. To, I think to your point that you look at those older teams and they can do that, and a lot of that is confidence based. And watching right. the Rangers now, especially how well they played uh, defensively, you can see that they're setting they're kind of setting the table for their future success with the things they've kind of picked up, especially the young guys. And, you know, we'll give, I have to give Jacques Martin a lot of credit. You know, he comes in, the Rangers now have one of the best penalty kills in the league. You know, I think they're fifth, they were fifth before this game and they, I think they killed off three penalties successfully. Right. Yeah. They, today they, uh, they went one for one. They only took one penalty again, discipline, man. It's like amazing. I didn't, they, I thought they had two penalties against, uh, no, today they only they only took one. Oh, whatever. Well, still they kill it successfully, so they're either fifth or fourth in the league. I have to look at it. Um, you know, especially and you, they've been so much better recently that you could tell that if they maybe had been that good off the hop. But again, young players learning a new system, new defensive coordinator comes in. Uh, their five on five defense is great. You know, obviously the Rangers still like any young team. They have problems keeping that focus for you know they let the they let their foot off the pedal at the worst times. You know what I mean. And that's the only, I think that's the only reason that this game was even somewhat close for a little bit because, you know, they're feeling good about themselves and then just the devils obviously get one and it drives them. And that's when other veteran teams know that, all right, we got to like, they're going to, this is going to be their comeback. We got to push. And yet they're real lackadaisical and they have a bad, uh, looks like a bad line change and a late pickup assignment from Lindegren. And they just kind of lay it in an area and a guy skates in on net and, you know, just pulls a nice move and undresses, uh, Georgiev. So but that'll that'll those are the things that can eventually be corrected. But the things that you can't teach late stage are like the things that have been so much better for them. Stick position has been amazing. How good was Kako's stick tonight? And heel stick, right? Just turning turning over the puck with their Plus stick. The yeah, exactly. Kako comes back and is looks just as hungry as he did before. Gets a you know a nice assist off of a great defensive play on that stick to spring play the other way. Just committed. Heedle, same thing. Lafreniere has looked better defensively. He's been more engaged, less floating, you know. Uh, and that's the thing is that you see these guys moving their feet and being making it life difficult for the other team. And if you make life difficult, even if they still get a shot off, it's not. It's less likely to have quality, especially if they, you know, if they feel rushed, they're going to shank shots. It's not going to have the time and space. And I think the the kind of the you know, the, maybe the knock or at least the scouting report against the Rangers is we've seen a lot of teams score from the point they get because the, the Rangers are doing a good job not allowing those shots from in front of the net. I think the one area I'd like to see them get better at is contesting point shots or at least getting guys there sooner. They did a good job at it at, in this game, but against Buffalo, how many, excuse me, against the Bruins, how many goals were scored because the Rangers collapsed in, they just moved to the point and, you know, one of their defensemen just took a big clapper with traffic and it went in, right? So they just have to figure that out. But at the same time, they were better. Kreider blocked a bunch of shots. Uh, a bunch of their guys blocked shots. And yeah, right now the Isles are, I think, they're first in our division. And that's just based off all of playing very, you know, good hockey, you know, at least good defensive hockey. And then when the time t- comes to go the other way, that's what they're doing, you know? So I think if the Rangers can get into these good defensive habits combined with the amount of offensive you know, and then they're slowly finally learning how to turn that into offense that it's going to pay dividends for them down the road. Even if their time is not now, at least we're seeing, you know, positive signs. Meanwhile, you know, the Devils have are the worst penalty killing team in the NHL and they play super stretched out and it makes it hard for them to generate stuff. They, it's good, you know, when they can kind of try to run and gun and skate into pucks. But if the Rangers made their lives so difficult tonight, you know, through the neutral zone. And I think the only reason you know, they had some lapses that weren't Georgiev's fault, but then Georgiev had let, I thought, two soft goals he'd kind of like to have back. But I think, you know, the pressure was on him, especially with Shesterkin going down. So he looked unsure at times, but I think he can, at least the fact that he comes out with a win, I think he can rebound from this nicely, at least until Shesterkin is Betty to be, Betty, ready to be back in the rotation. But yeah, I mean, at least we are seeing promising things that we know that this will carry over, whether it's Quinn is the head coach for it or someone else that, you know, you teach these things, install these things early, and it kind of becomes part of their DNA. You know, where Kako might become one of the, the better two-way offensive players in the NHL one day. And I never thought I would think that, but I think that right now. Yeah, well, 
you know, I there's a couple more things that I want to get into before we get into pretty much our weekly Rangers controversy. Uh, obviously, there can't be a podcast without a little bit of controversy, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But you know, I do, you know, I do want to talk about um, our power play. Uh, I don't know if you you really watched it today, but there's too much standing around. I and and I feel bad because I feel like this is really hurting Mika the most, and it just. When power play one gets out there, you just really see them. They gather the puck around the perimeter and they just all stop moving at the same time. And it's very bizarre. And I don't know if this is being addressed or, you know, they're trying to hammer this home in, in terms of practicing and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, drawing it up, you know, on the bench, you know, after, you know, the first power play, you know, they did it every single time. So obviously they're not addressing it, but, you know, there's got to be some sort of rotation and there's got to be some movement and you got to be able to create time and space and shooting lanes. And it can't always be about, you know, pass around the perimeter and then send the puck across to Mika and let him shoot. You know, it's great that you're feeding him and you want to get, you know, that monkey off his back, but he really needs to, you know, he needs to move, you know, and you just see, you know, a little bit of Mika's game come back to life a little bit, especially after, you know, Past yeah, I thought, games, I thought, thought for the most part he okay, was you know? very good today. Yeah, yeah, but right. Yeah, so, you're right. You know, he, they definitely need he, more movement on that power play, right? And especially for him to get into it. You know, there's no reason. You know, if I'm if I'm Quinn right now, I'm telling Mika. You know, if you have the puck on the half wall and they're giving you all day to pass it around the perimeter, you know, cut in towards the middle. Just cut cut in towards the middle. Have someone you know come with you and like have like a little bit of like rotation like if he cuts towards the middle with the puck right and someone comes behind him and he gives him a little drop pass that just creates like chaos and let him like filter through the middle and then come back out the other side as players rotate around like you know it's tough to draw it up without like some sort of diagram but you know there there's got to be movement and i feel like with Mika's game and what made him so dominant last year is that he was explosive and he you know, was able to use his skating ability and, you know, wherewithal and his shot to create opportunities for himself. And, you know, I feel like right now the system is not set up to help him get out of this, you know, season long rut that he seems to be stuck in. But, yeah. you know, you know, again, it's tough, man. But, you know, I, today I'm very proud of him. You know, he did the move where he flipped the puck around the guy and, and, and got it and created a scoring chance for himself. You know, for the first time in a long time, I'm like, okay, maybe he is trending up a little bit. Granted, we played the Sabres, Devils, Devils, so, you know, everyone's game should have been a little bit elevated. But, you know, again, we're going to need him to step up here uh, if the Rangers want to make a run. Like, And I'm not trying to pick on him, but he's got to be better because this is not – we can't we can't have this at Amika Zibanejad. It's just a, it's a – it's criminal right now. Yeah. He, you know, he's, he, I think he's what, he's got, uh, five points in his last, in these last three games or something like that, or last four. So the points right. are and, starting and, to come. And you still want m- more. Well, it's, the, it's yeah. more of the goals. You know what I mean? Like I, I the assists are fine, but I, I can't, I, I, I need him to score, you know? No, I, I think, him. I think he needs himself to score. And I think that's true. He, he could, he could go on a tear. He could have 10 points in his next eight games, which would be amazing stretch for him. But if if none of the, if he only had one goal in that stretch, I think he'd be real disappointed with himself. No matter how much offense he's playing, because I just think last year when he was going, it just felt automatic because he had confidence. And you know, you see him get shaken up at the end with his foot, have a, a little scare there. Although Quinn said in the the post game that it was fine, not bothering him. It was just kind of like a you know he thought he might have twinged it, but he's okay. He's feeling fine, so he's not expected to miss time. You know, who said who knows he could wake up tomorrow and have a swollen ankle knowing the Rangers luck right now. But um, but yeah, no, he definitely needs to score. And, you know, he has that nice chip over the devil's player to himself. And that kind of reminded me of Mika last year. And he actually had a skating leg. So I wonder if he's coming out of it. But it's like one thing to feel yourself again, at least physically. But the confidence has to be there to be a score in the National Hockey League. You know, you almost have to be arrogant about it. And you do. yeah, it takes time to to get back, or even just to get that feeling back, or at least convince yourself that you can do that. Because it's one of those things you can't lie to yourself. You're either you know you're either sowing your oats or you're not. You know, right? And it you know I, I'm sure it's great. You know, as a fan perspective and a coach perspective, if you look at his game, he's not hurting you. You know, he has been trending up this past. You know, you know, I'd say for the last five games, he certainly has been a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's been con- contributing a lot more. But that's not the column. You know, the assist column is great. 
but that's not the column Mika is looking at right now. And you know, he's looking at the score sheet and he wants to be in the goal column. You know, he wants goals. He needs to score. And, you know, a goal, one goal can do wonders. And I'm still just, you know, every time he shoots the puck, it's just like, you know, you know, a, a few games back, you know, we, we talked about it and he was just like flubbing the shots this game, you know, at least he was making some uh, good contact. And again, just, he can't buy a goal. It's, it's it's certainly frustrating for me. God only knows what he's feeling like. What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benners Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash as well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game, find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. That's not the controversy I'm talking about, Andy. We have some controversy that we need to discuss because I, I you know, it, it's bothering me and I okay. know it's going to be bothering you. And, and we brought it up a little bit last podcast, but now it's, it's kind of glaring because I feel like Panarin will, is on the verge of returning. I feel like any game right now, they can make the announcement that Panarin is coming back uh, unless I miss something, but uh, he is skating with the team. So, you know, it can be at any moment right now. Um, Excuse me, man. I had a little Chinese and now I'm burping, burping up. Okay. So the controversy going into uh, today and probably all next week, and especially as we play some really good teams, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Philadelphia Flyers, and Washington Capitals, I feel like are our are next, are next uh, opponents, uh, our roster. And it goes a little bit with... Uh, Obviously, I'm stumbling over my words, but if you look at you know the players right now that are going to be the first one out when Panarin gets back, you're looking at Gauthier, you're looking at Howden, you're looking at Blackwell, which is a joke, and you're looking at Lemieux. Andy, who's in and who's out? I, I'm reading a lot of Twitter, and it seems like there's like just all consensus that uh, Julian Gauthier is, is going to be out. I mean, he's got two assists today and is continues to be use his size effectively, especially him and Heedle. I've always kind of had a little good chemistry going, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it was up to me, I mean, I understand, you know, I know he won't, he'll never take out now, especially playing 4C. I, you know, I'd, I'd hate to say it, but you almost have to take uh, Brendan Lemieux out, you know? I agree. I agree. You know, obviously, I think it should be Howden. I think, you know, knowing that I would almost rather. Put Blackwell as your fourth line center. Although, has he ever played center? No, maybe uh, I, not. So they, they they won't do that. So again, they're not going to do that. But Blackwell's has his versatility throughout the lineup has been noted. He's been good this year. I you have to take Lemieux out. You move Rooney down. You know, and yeah, I mean, the, you know, Kreider's played well with Strom, but obviously they want to keep, you know, Alexi with Mika and Pavel. So who knows? I mean, you know, maybe Lafreniere does. Maybe you put Lafreniere with Heedle and Gautier. I think that could be a good third line. And I understand it's like everyone, we want Lafreniere to get premier minutes, but, you know, I don't know if they're going to do it. You know, maybe they put, you know, with the way Kreider's been going, I think they're going to ride him no matter what. So maybe Kreider goes back with KZB. Hell, maybe if, if you see, if you're comfortable with Kreider and Strom and Capo, how they played, maybe you put Panarin with Mika and maybe that's the way to finally get him going. You know what I mean? He's, Mika has looked a little bit better of late. You have Panarin coming back you know, and Buchnevich, I just, I, maybe that's the, that's what you do. Panarin finally in that first line, Panarin, Mika, Butch, Kreider, Strom, Kako, uh, Lafreniere will play with Heedle and Gautier. And then you'll have, uh, uh, Rooney will, will take that, you know, fourth line wing spot, uh, between, you know, Brett and Blackwell. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem. That's what I, I would do, but that's not, that's not what I think David Quinn will do is obviously the problem you're alluding to. Correct. Well, yeah, the problem, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's just, you know, you and I and Quinn don't see eye to eye. You know, you and I kind of are on the same page. You know, uh, you know, I don't think we ever really disagreed on, you know, who should play and who should not. Um, but we battle David Quinn constantly. 
And this is the problem of being very wing heavy. And if you look at our left wings, it's like, geez, like the options, it's like it's forcing Alexis Lafreniere to play third line minutes, but that's not really, uh, it's not because he's a third line player. You know what I mean? Like he's doing perfectly fine playing on the first line. You know, I, you know, he's been getting some points lately and that's great and everything. But unfortunately with the way Chris Kreider has been playing with Panarin coming back, who is obviously your automatic first line left wing, there's no question about it. And then you have Kreider going to be playing your second line left wing and it forces Lafreniere to, you know, be the third line left wing. Yeah. And unfortunately, Brendan Mew has been playing the left. So he, he's out and it just makes the most sense that he'd be sitting I, again. But I don't, I, but I don't get why people are so, you know, set on the fact of sitting Julian Gauthier. He's just been nothing but, you know, he's sometimes a defensive well, liability, the, which I understand, but. The good news is, I thought Goche got benched today. Turns out he got hit and he had a pre- precautionary X-ray. That's the only reason he was out for any period of time, Cause especially because he had an assist at first. You right. know what I mean? So I was worried. I'm like, did Quinn see something he didn't like and he sat this guy? I was, I was honestly, I was very upset. I was like, unbelievable. Like you know, he's a positive play driver. But no, I that's just my my bias coming into play. You know, and what Gauthier had two assists this game, right? Yes. So yeah, I mean. Yeah. So again, it's, I mean, as far as Lafreniere moving to the third line, if you see Heedle having this type of success because he's just simply overpowering third lines, maybe it's good to put Lafreniere with him. As long as maybe you say, you know what? These, the first three lines are going to get the, the line share of the minutes. We're going to increase that third line. And that might be good, just keeping guys fresh. So last year, our top six had to do everything. Maybe that doesn't have to be the case this year. You know, maybe it keeps uh, th- those guys fresher when they don't have to be on the ice the whole time. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, if Lafreniere and Heal can get something going together, especially as Lafreniere continues to figure out the NHL, all of a sudden he's not facing, you know, whatever checking line you're putting out against uh, the first, your first line, you know, or your second line, depending on where Quinn is sliding. You know, at first he was had to figure out now that especially since he has a better handle on his defensive assignments and playing against some top-tier competition, yeah, now let him go back down and see, oh, maybe all of a sudden the game looks a little bit more wide open for him and see what he can do, you know? Well, I got I got a little news for you, Andy, because yes. I, I think you'll like hearing this. I mean, if you're talking about juggling things up when you know Panarin gets back, obviously Alexis Lafreniere drops to the third line, Chris Kreider stays on the second line, and that fills in your top three left wings. And then you have Zibanejad, Strom, and Hedl as your top three centers. and then things can get fun on the right side because now you have Pavel Buchnevich playing the first line with Mika and Zibanejad. And then your second line, how about this? Since Blackwell's playing so well, move him to your second line. So you have Kreider, Strom, and Blackwell, right? Not, not a bad, you know, hardworking, you know, second line. And then your third line, Andy, Lafreniere on the left, Heedle on the the uh, heedle in the middle and Kako on the right, which would give you your dream combination that's of true. the heedle. Mm. I think that's a, a very good top three lines. If you know, with Colin Blackwell being able to be, you know, fortunately for us, we can pretty much plug that kid anywhere. It seems to, you know, just you know, keep playing well. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you know how I've been harping on how much I want to see that, and again, it's almost like there's too much, too many, fo- too many uh, talented forwards and not enough ice time. Although there, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it has to be kind of made clear that the ice, the ice time has to be commiserate with, you know, it's not so much that heavy ice time, it kind of has to be doled out a little bit more evenly, even if you're going to ride and just based on the game going forward, you ride the hot line, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's a, that's also a way, definitely a way you can approach it. Um, Kako continues to use his defense to help Strom and Kreider break out a little bit, right? Yeah, but um, at the same time, you do wonder like, well, now if you give him, like I said, a little bit easier competition, you know, he plays with he- his Heedle and Lafreniere. I know in the past maybe David Quinn would be reticent to have that line out for defensive reasons, but I honestly think they'd be better defensively than a Strom Kreider, or, you know, Blackwell line. I mean, I Absolutely. appreciate how I like I said, I appreciate how everyone has stepped up defensively at least in their awareness and their stick positioning. You know, Kreider and Blackwell. Strom a little bit too, but Kako has been really committed in his own end. So you don't have to worry about that so much. Lafayette's figuring it out. And same thing with Heedle, just his ability to get break pucks out of danger and rush and use his speed to back teams off. I think it could be a winning combination. So that's a, you know, I, 
you should be coaching the New York Rangers, James. But uh, again, that's probably another podcast. But no, that's a great idea because I, like you said, I think the fact that you'll finally get to see those kids together, build chemistry for the future. And yeah, it's like they have to. Yeah, I just think if it can maybe benefit those guys now that they're kind of in the swing of the season and things start to be going for them, yeah, give them a little bit easier matchups. Yeah, I mean, I would love, love to be the coach of the New York Rangers, um, especially after Quinn, because I feel like, you know, I'd give the people what they want, you know? I'd be the coach (laughs) of the the people's coach, yeah. Yeah, I'd be doing, uh, setting my lineup through Twitter polls instead of, uh, you know, looking at who I'm playing next. Uh, You know, again, and if you look at that fourth line, you know, Kevin Rooney would then be on the left-hand side, Brett Howden at center, and Colin, uh, Colin Blackwell, Julian Gauthier. As, I, I say his name different every single time, and it just throws me off. But um, and I'll just call him Julian. And you'll have Julian on the right-hand side, which, you know, is fine because I feel like you're li- you want to limit those minutes anyway for that line. Like, you know, Howden is pretty much penciled into the lineup. It's clear as day now that the only, people, the only reason people want him in the lineup is to kill penalties. I don't know if we're trying to turn him into, you know, a Jesper Foss type player, but just because you like him on the penalty kill, I don't think it guarantees you a spot in this lineup or should guarantee you a spot in this lineup. Because if we're, if we're relying on Howden to kill penalties, I feel like we're in trouble, like in turn on our penalty kill. We're not, you know, you've seen players like, um, you know, Buchnevich step up this year and take on more of the, you know, penalty kill role. Obviously Kreider has been out there and, you know, I just feel like a lot of our younger guys are a lot more reliable um, up and down the lineup uh, on the penalty kill. And I think that has a lot to do with more so the system rather than the actual individual players playing. So I do give credit um, where credit is due to the coaching staff for, for addressing some of the problems and, and all of our players playing in the defensive zone. Um, you know, obviously, speaking of lineups, crafts uh, off, obviously that that talk is now... I don't know. It's being discussed now where he will be penciled in if he comes over or if he should be penciled in. Now, looking at our fourth line, uh, if you have a line of Kevin Rooney, Brett Howden, and, you know, Julian, Julian G. Maybe I'll call him JG. Yeah, JG. JG. Um, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a lot better off the tongue. Um, JG. But not to be confused with JG Pajot. True, true. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All right. We'll have to pick up uh, the GOAT. I'll call him the GOAT. Yeah, call him goat. Yeah, goat. I like it. Perfect. And, you know, looking at that fourth line, there's no reason why Kraftsoff is not coming over and playing fourth line. Am I crazy for thinking so? No, you're absolutely right. And listen, obviously, there was so much talk about, like, converting Lafreniere and uh, Kako to center all this, you know, for the last two years, right? The one player I could actually see feasibly make that transition would be a guy like Kravtsov. You know, he's, he played uh, center at the World Juniors. I thought he was pretty good in that role. Uh, his defensive play has been much better. He gets to the net more. Uh, and yeah, I just think his game, you know, his puck transport abilities and the fact that he's been more committed defensively and he's really worked that part of game boat as well for that. Um, at the same thing, obviously, when he comes in his first couple of games, you have to play him in the wing and let him get used to the speed of the NHL you know, a little bit less defensive responsibility and give him some more time to skate into pucks with his speed, which is kind of his almost his number one asset. But yeah, I mean, listen, he he has to be on that third line. So no matter what, you're going to have a guy, uh, you know, a, a deserving winger have to play on the third line. So I assume when Kraftsov gets here, I mean, it's most likely going to be, uh, you know, Kreider reunited with Zibanejad and Buchnevich. You know, you'll have... Uh, Panarin play with Strom and Kako, and then you might have Lafreniere with Hedl and Kraftsoff, you know, or or maybe they will switch Kreider if he goes ice cold again, you know, so who knows, but, uh, and then Gauthier goes down to the fourth line, one of, you know, Rooney or Blackwell either gets scratched or, you know, Di Giuseppe probably won't come back into the lineup again, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, listen, the Rangers are also going to have injuries to guys, it's going to happen, so it's, yeah, it's it's who knows how, what form it takes, and you know, you hope Quinn will be a little bit more uh, forgiving with breaking crafts off into this lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah. The good news is if he comes over and he doesn't have to quarantine long coming over from Europe, I don't know how long they'll take. But, you know, he should he definitely should be in game shape right now just because he's keep playing as long as it's the second his season's over. Um, yeah, I guess they're current. You know, he's currently two games. You know, he's played two games for Tractor in the playoffs. They're one and one. Right. So. uh 
you know, I guess they play again tomorrow. Well, we're we're recording this, by the way. We're recording this on a Saturday, uh, just because right. we both have Sunday commitments. So if you're listening to this, uh, it could be different by Monday morning. You'll also know the results of the Rangers' Sunday night game against the Penguins. So just uh, take, hopefully, we have prescient premonitions for that. But yeah, I mean, obviously, this, this team overfloweth, which I'm assuming soon we'll have a episode about what will the Rangers do with the trade deadline because it's almost seeming like they have a lot of people on the ship. They have obviously the expansion draft looming, but at the same time, it's like if you're going to, if you have a excess of players and you want to get, might be time, good time to think about getting some value for them, you know, that you can, especially that you can extend for down the line at the risk of losing some guys in the future for no reason, you know? Yeah, I agree. And you know, it, it, it's tough because there's, again, you know, we, we kept on harping on this the past couple podcasts that, you know, we don't really truly know what the Rangers are because there are still a lot of changes to be had. You know, this lineup is certainly not the lineup that you're going to see two years from now. I, I feel like it's going to look totally different, um, and it, especially on the defensive side. Now, with Truba uh, still being injured, you know, I feel like there's a huge question marks on our defense right now, Andy. And I, do you do you believe in this decor right now to keep playing as well as they are? Because I, I feel like we are overachieving given, you know, our defensive pairings. Yeah. I, I give Libor Hayek a lot of credit. Man, has that kid settled down his game, and mm-hmm. he's been good. And he's always had good tools. He's always been a good skater, good on the puck skills. It's just the decision making and the and the fear of of you know doing something stupid leads him to do something stupid. But man, he's been good. Jack Johnson hasn't been bad. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I I don't know why I'm whispering. I, was I mean, for that. I mean, and listen. I say that knowing that if you probably pull up his stats in terms of like how when the puck is on his stick, do the Rangers generate offense? And the answer is probably no. But at the same time, it's like I kind of see a guy who gets it. He's like, I'm giving it to you. And that's it. And then he's off the ice. And I I mean, mean, yeah, played a lot of minutes. He played over 16 minutes tonight. So it's not like they're really limiting his his play. I get nervous, though, when we start playing some real talent. Well, that's the that's there. That becomes the issue. That's when you can exploit players like that. And that's why I have the big question mark on the D, because, you know, we're we're not playing the JV, you know, the JV teams in our division. You know, we're about to play some varsity teams here. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Lingren Fox, obviously, I have no problem. Andre Miller, I have no problem. Smith. Smith has been, you know, some sort of mentor, but it's that bottom pairing that leaves me a big question mark. Yeah, well, Jack Johnson, uh, I'm looking at the f- five on five score adjusted uh, stats for the, this game against the Devils. Jack Johnson was a positive uh, expected goals player. You know, the negatives on the Rangers were Miller, then Booch, then Lafreniere, then Brennan Smith, then Mika, then Brennan Lemieux by a good bit, then Blackwell. And Howden clearly was the worst, obviously. Uh, but Heedle was our best, and Capo and Rooney together were our best, w- along with Gautier and Strom. So. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been bad. His usage has been pretty much what I've hoped for, you know. And again, it's weird to- living in a unit, you know, in a timeline where we're talking the Rangers are good defensively. I'm still getting used to it. You know, they're gonna even teams that are good defensively, they have their their you know uh, their lapses. But you know that if Igor didn't go down and he played this game and the Rangers played the way they would, they would have won that game. Instead of you know giving up three goals, they may have given up one, maybe two, maybe. But you know what I mean. So. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I guess it's it's all well and good while he's not hurting you, but you understand that this is the Devils who are in a major rut, and I think the Devils are finally they got off to a hot start with, with the promise of a new coach and effort when guys teams were trying to figure out their systems, and now those teams have settled into their systems. Whereas the Devils, I feel like you you look at how stretched you know spread out they are and a lot of standing around and trying to create these foot races all games. I don't think that's a winning combination for them. You know, they were relying on Blackwood early on, and he's been absolutely terrible recently. You know, he had two yes. bad games against the Rangers. And say what you will about Georgiev tonight, but he settled in and he made some pretty, uh, pretty crucial saves. Yeah, he had one or two he'd like to get back, and but a lot of times it kind of came off of a little lapse in coverage from the Rangers' young players, you know. And yeah, and that's what happens. And he was even mad. He knew it himself, but he gets a win out of it. I think he'll be better if he plays... You know, I don't know if him or uh, we haven't seen uh, Kincaid play for the Rangers yet, so we don't know how he'll play. But I think going forward, he'll be a little bit more confident in himself because he didn't look confident in that first period. He was just like, you know, he was he was hoping the puck just hit him. And that's never a good sign. But you saw him kind of ease into it and throwing his body. He had some real 10 bell saves, you know, coming off the post and getting his head over his knee as they kept harping on. So, 
yeah, I mean, I don't know how I got here from Jack Johnson, but yeah, John, it just, when the Rangers are playing like this, you're right. It kind of makes you feel like, oh, well, they can maybe get away with this. But I think we know that, listen, this is a team that it's, they ha- you have to indoctrinate your youth sooner than later because they're going to be the ones. Jack Johnson's not going to be here in two seasons, you know, knock on wood. You know, Libor Hayek might, as even if it's as a seventh defenseman. So you need a guy who knows what who knows what to do. So, no, I don't think these are the pairings. Truba apparently is going to come back, if not the next game, probably the one after that. So he'll go back with Keandre, I assume. Fox continues to be uh, one of the, the top 10 best defensemen in the league. Changed my mind. Linda Grin's been good, man. You know, he's he's finally getting some points and he's the perfect foil for Fox, you know. And so this kind of leads the bottom pairing. Uh, I even think Brendan Smith has been all right. You know, maybe not the best, but, you know, well, you hope Smith comes out. You hope uh, maybe you leave Hayek in on the left and Truba, you know, maybe you bump everyone, uh, everyone down. So you have you can run with. Fox, Lindegren, uh, maybe, yeah, and Smith is playing on the right, so maybe you just move Smith to the right and leave Hayek on the left right now, especially if Potato's still hurt, you know? Yeah, no, but, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, Andy, I mean, obviously the Rangers signed, um, you know, Braden Schneider to an ELC, and he's now with the Hartford Wolfpack. He played two games, and... He, he just went back to the Western uh, Hockey League. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah, shit. he's uh-huh. yeah he's playing the WHL this season. They're, they're uh-huh. getting their season going. But no, he didn't look out of place there. And no. yeah, and the reason is that the team's his 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 contract doesn't even though he signed his con that doesn't start, start until next season. Year. Yeah, okay. it's well, one of those probably why they did it now. Then yeah, they did okay. that with him and a few someone else I forget, but yeah, that was just like a thing with this the way this weird wacky COVID season is going on. They had the option to do it just to get him you know get him under rink. So it's good that they did because he's going to be in hard for next season clearly. And I thought he for his age he he really did handle himself well in that league. He showed he can take it. So. You know, you hope he goes back to the WHL and he's an absolute monster because he should he should be too good. And at least too at least, you know, in terms of his physical prowess, hopefully he works on his things like his awareness and his skating and everything else. Like this is the time to get some development reps. You know what I mean? Because the game should be feasibly should be a little bit easier for him now. So really learn to stretch his legs because, you know. Uh, I, I'm glad that he can be such a good stay-at-home defender, but you really got to work on your awareness and make sure your skating is as good as it can be. And yeah, and you can join in and be an offensive threat. Because I think when you look at all the promising, you know, offensive players the Rangers have, it's going to be your decision making and your ability to, you know, hold on to the puck and get it up to your forwards effectively is going to be what's going to keep you in the lineup. You know, especially when it comes to some of the, you know, a Nils Lundqvist or a, an Adam Fox who can be absolute money for their teams, either on the power play or just, you know, weapons from, you know, just offensive weapons. So I think if he wants to make sure he's one of the promising young players, especially with Miller in the mix too, who is a part of this team in the future, not one who's a, a trade piece, that's what you're going to, he's going to have to work on, you know? Yeah. So I got, you know, one more question for you, sure. you know, two players that, um, you know, are obviously in Hartford, Tarmo Runin and, and Morgan Barron. What are the odds that the Rangers see them at some point this season? And, I hope you know, they reunion and gets a cup of coffee. I don't know if Barron's going to get uh, anything this year, but um, I mean, I don't know. Strange things have happened. Barron has seemed to kind of found his game a little bit recently. I haven't gotten to watch as much Wolfpack as I would like. From what I've seen, Reunion continues to be very good at that level, at least offensively. There's some things he can work on defensively, but um, yeah, I would like to see him get a chance, especially. I did think with the amount of injuries they had on the back end, this would have been a good time. But, you know, I'm obviously happy for Libor because there is a, this belief that, you know, some one of these kids might have to be sacrificial lamb for for Seattle. You know what I mean? You just you're a guy yeah. that you're like, oh, man, it would really kind of stink if they took him. But obviously, if they did, it's like you wouldn't lose too much sleep about it. And Libor might be that guy. You know, if you expose Howden. Lemieux and Libor, you know, kids like this, and they look at the age and they're like, well, there might be something there. You know, Libor Hayek might be their third, you know, a young third pairing guy who maybe has second pairing upside, you know, and that's kind of hard to give to turn down. You know what I mean? I, listen, I agree, man. And it's going to be very, very interesting what the Rangers do because we do have kind of all these assets floating around, and, and eventually you're going to want to see what you have. And I don't know as much as the Rangers have right now, and, and, you know, they, I don't know where they'll pick next year, but, you know, I would imagine they're going to gain some sort of, you know, asset, you know, through the draft or 
if they trade, that would make a little bit more sense for to have an NHL ready player. But we're going to have a lot of kids with question marks, uh, you know, with them in terms of can they play in the NHL? And eventually, I feel like they're going to have to squeeze these guys in. And why not? Why not try to squeeze squeeze a Runin in now when you know you have Niels Lundqvist about to come over. Truba is hurt. And it's like, would you do you really want to see Jack Johnson play, or do you want to see what you have out of Runin? And so, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And like, how do you, you know, if you're the coach right now, how do you manage having all these kind of assets? Like, even a Morgan Barron, a center, you have Howden pretty much only killing penalties is his only benefit right now. Morgan Barron, it could be a fourth line center. Would you call him up and possibly, you know, play him a couple games towards the end of the season? Yeah, maybe definitely towards the end of the season. I think it depends. I think, obviously, the Rangers thought they'd be someone in the running this year. And lo- it looks like they're finally getting there. But it, as we've said at the t- off the top, it's a little too, bit too late. Rainer and I would have already have seen what he had, especially after the start he had in the AHL. And then how this team between Boteto and, yeah, Truba going down, it's just you could you could have found a spot for him. You know what I mean? You could have got him on the taxi squad. He could have slotted in. Um. But, you know, and I can't be mad because at the same time, as we've said, even Jack Johnson hasn't acquitted himself that poorly just with the way the Rangers are playing defensively. But at the same time, like you said, you have to see what you have, especially. And if you're going to if even if it's one of those things where you're like, all right, he's good. You know, we're just not if we're not committed to him. We're not confident enough to commit too much. But you want other NHL teams to be or team if especially if you're going to use him as a trade chip. You're like, look, he played in the NFL, in the NFL, the NHL, and he acquitted himself, you know, quite nicely. So. That's why I think it's important for these guys to, you need to see what you have. And at the same time, you need other teams to show that like, look, he can be a valuable asset in this league. Even if this small sample size, you know, that you're like, he came up, he played himself pretty nicely, especially if the Rangers defensive system can maybe shelter them a bit right now, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, listen, I totally agree. I'm more on, I'm more, I think a little bit more trigger happy in terms of seeing who we have only because I just, I look at our system and. And then I, I you, you look at our lineup and it's like, there's not many slots that, you know, are going to, ha- you know, it, there's not many spots where you're really filling. Like, I'd rather see what I have. Like, obviously, Kratzoff, you know, is going to get his opportunity, right? But, you know, a guy like Morgan Barron, where does he fit in? When is a good time to, you know, to take a chance on him? And, you know, I feel like the, the you know, the longer the Rangers go without you know addressing some of these younger guys that right now have the opportunity to come up and play nhl minutes the more you know panicky will be when we you know are saying like you know who are we going to throw out there in terms of the sacrificial lamp to seattle or who are we going to package up to send to you know buffalo for jack eichel you know because i feel like some of these guys might you know might be on the radar of some of these organizations you know looking to maybe you know be sellers at the deadline and rangers being buyers and certainly obviously it's needed you know right down the middle for the rangers so i don't know i feel like there's so many questions to be to be uh asked right now and you know i want answers and i'm i'm i'm, I'm demanding them from you Andy. sorry um <laughs> so do you have anything else i mean in terms of uh you know it, it's sometimes easier to do podcasts when the rangers are playing bad because you can kind of go off and yell at them you know, this past week, there really isn't much. They they took care of business. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say the Rangers are, are shooing for the playoffs and, and be overreactive that way. But, um, yeah, you beat teams that you got to beat. And that and, and now really kind of falls on, you know, uh, you know, on their game against the, the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow and again on Tuesday. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now is the we spoke about our last podcast. Now's the time because. You know, with the way the Islanders are playing and the Bruins are playing and hell, even the Capitals, like you said, the the teams that you have to get points off of are going to be teams like basically the Sabres, the Devils, uh, Pittsburgh, because there can be at least deficient defensively. And yeah, even the Flyers to a lesser extent, who can be very up and down. But, you know, who those are. And I think the Rangers want to at least assert themselves as one of those teams, because one of the Flyers, Rangers and Devils, excuse me, the Flyers, the, uh, the Penguins. And the Rangers are going to miss the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. you can argue that any one of them, because yeah, I think just with the way Trotz has coached the Islanders and their, you know, how good it's their goaltending has been, and just how structured they are, they're making the playoffs. Same thing with the Boston Bruins are just too good. They're a Stanley Cup, one of the contenders for Stanley Cup. 
you look at the rest of the teams and you're like, it might be a little too late to catch, you know, whatever Washington or, or Philly, whoever ends up in that third slot. But, you know, all those teams are going for that fourth slot. And, and, and if they were in another division, they might make it. But, you know, maybe it's not the Rangers time and it's not the worst thing in the world for them if they don't just based on how their season's going. But this whole experience is going to make them better. And to your point, you know, it's not you said it up top. It's you want them to be in the mix, right? just to play for something, you know, the devils are giving up. The Sabres have given up. They lost again. Like they're just, they're given up on their coach. And that's what, when you're in a losing season, that's what the things you have to fight against because it just, you know, as bad as it's been for the Rangers at point of the season, we at least saw them say, you know what we have to, they stopped the bleeding when they could. And then they start clawing back the other way. I've, it looks like the day, the devils and the Sabres, you know, what, how many have they lost? The devils lost at home now? Seven in a row at home like it's it's you not throw your, your you throw your fucking hands up like it's not good man and that it it's not that's not something you can just snap your fingers the next season and be like all right well we're putting that behind us you know what i mean right we've, and even as the rangers we've seen that old habits linger hard as good as they've been defensively every now and then they kind of have this little like we scored a goal we're winning things are great and take the foot off the pedal and you get scored on you know what i mean so imagine yeah. just the stink that Whoever, even if they trade Eichel and they're like, all right, we're washing the slate clean, it's going to be tough to change the challenge, uh, to change the, the culture in Buffalo. And it's going to be tough to wash the stink off, you know, of what's going on for the Devils, you know, and it's and any team. So even the Rangers, they were in kind of in danger of that. But luckily, they seem to they're finally building some positive momentum. And that's what you're you're always fighting against. So, you know, you just want them to be in the mix, even if they don't make it as long as they fought and they said, you know what, at the end of the day, they can say. It's disappointing, but we had so many injuries and guys got hurt and COVID and, you know, political intrigue and all this other crap that they've had to deal with. But they say, you know what? We never gave up and ultimately wasn't enough. Our division is too competitive, but our day will come and they can hang their hat on that and then they can hit the ground running the next season. You know what I mean? When it's time and all of a sudden, the th- you know, all the good habits they've built up can carry over. So that's what they got to do. Like you said, the time is now. Let's at least show these teams that you're right there with them. Or you're biting at their heels, you know, and father time's going to catch up with them eventually, especially considering the, the relative age in the Rangers. Right. And, you know, you, you kind of look at those two teams, you know, the Devils and, and the Sabres. And, you know, you look at them, you look at their record, right? Seven and 11 for the Devils and six and 13 uh, for the Sabres. I don't know if it's updated, so it could be seven and 12, six and 14. But and then you take a look at, you know, a team like the Detroit Red Wings, who everyone kind of wrote off as the worst team in the NHL, you know, they're seven and 16. Right. And that's pretty bad. But for some reason, I look at the Detroit Red Wings and I see they're seven and 16 and I see, you know, how they're playing. And it's almost like they're they're in a better spot. You know, it's not negative, you know, around that record, you know, where you look at, you know, the Sabres, it's like they're a joke of a franchise. You look at Detroit and you're like. Well, you know, they have a few pieces that are good that they're going to build around and they're just not supposed to be good right now. And there's no panic there. There's, you know, I'm sure as a fan, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, but to see what they're going through, you know, I feel like there could be light at the end of the tunnel. You know, Devils also a little bit of that, but, you know, Devils right now should not be playing as bad as they are. And and certainly having a, a record like that at home, there's just no excuse for it. Um, and the Sabres, again, another team that people, you know, thought were going to be fighting for a playoff spot because they added Hall. I don't know, man. It's just bad. And I guess I'm just thankful to be a Rangers fan right now because for as frustrating as this team could be, the Rangers have, have, you know, achieved, you know, right now they're, they're playing even keel. They're, they're not overachieving. They're not underachieving. And, you know, last year I felt like they overachieved. So we kind of had that expectation going into this season. But, you know, so far this year, you know, we're experiencing the growing pains. But, you know, when all said and done, you look at our younger stars, they're playing great. Uh, you know, Panarin was playing well. We seem to be trending up right now and we're being competitive for a playoff spot, which is all you can ask for in the tough, toughest division in hockey. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's like I was thinking a lot about culture, especially with all the, the Knicks games I've been watching recently. They are a team that, like the Rangers, are also over 500. So, yes. uh, you know, we're recording this on Saturday. Good luck to Julius Randle uh, in the All-Star game tomorrow. Juice. Yeah. Juice. That's right. Uh, good luck to Obi Toppin in uh, the slam dunk contest next weekend. And, but yeah, I mean, you look at culture is so important. And it's, it's you know, it warms my heart to see, 
you know, the Knicks finally churning, turning their fortunes around, you know, I'm knocking on wood because it would be the most Knicks things for them to fall apart in the second. Even if, but even if they don't make the playoffs, they're, they're starting to build something and believing that they have good pieces. And the Rangers, I, you know, I have, I haven't, how they've handled the, re, the letter and the rebuild. It's hard to transition out of, you know, a winning phase into a rebuilding phase and then back into a winning phase. You know, some teams like the Arizona or the Devils or whatever, it, you know, it's, it takes a decade and the Rangers clearly didn't want that to be the case. Uh, so, but you know what they've, for all their miscues, maybe that, you know, the Rangers have had in the last few seasons, they've done a real good job making sure that that, like the expectations were always high, no matter what, because you never saw them really try to tank hard or purposely be bad or, or let it known that it was acceptable to be that way. And, you know, sometimes it hasn't been fair in terms of how they've mitigated out their justice, especially under David Quinn and scratches. But, They've been kind of no nonsense. You know, you look at them just giving D'Angelo the boot because even though it's like he's better option than maybe some of the guys they have on paper, didn't doesn't matter to them. If it's going to hurt their culture, if they deem it that so, then he or create bad habits or, or, or just even a poor mindset, it's gone. And they take that shit real seriously. So, yeah. And that's at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if, if that's at least in place, then, you know, if you have the pieces, it'll be good. Because how many teams do we have? Because that's the thing about Buffalo. You look at at least the amount of offensive firepower they should have in their top six. That should be a team that can at least tang. You know what I mean? They shouldn't get be getting blown out. Like maybe they're not going to win because they're like, okay, they're just too many, you know, bottom six, nobody role players in their bottom six, right? Just not enough talent, not enough depth, and maybe defensively their back end and their goaltending. But at the same time, it's like they should at least be able to score goals, and they can't do that. You know what I mean? So they, they might have the worst goals per game. They do. Per I team think they do. Game. And this is a team that has Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel and Victor Olofsson and Jeff Skinner, who was a forty goal scorer, like what less than five years ago. And it's just crazy. And you know, and yeah, say what you want. Like, oh, it's on the coach. Well, at the same time, the players can have some personal pride and be like, all right, I know the coach tells me to play this way, but I'm just gonna like let's just you know let's let's freestyle here for a second and try to get one. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, I digress. I, that's going to be fascinating to watch how that plays out. Uh, you, you wonder how much longer Ralph Kruger has. And yeah, you wonder what this does to Jack Eichel. Cause you know, he said one season and they did everything they could to placate him. And, you know, I think their GM and their, his immediate, you know, spoke to the media the other day said, Jack has never said he, you know, you know, we talked to him and we're on the same page and he's never said he wants out. Obviously people call, but yeah, maybe he's never said that, but obviously he spoke to his agent and he's what, you know, so yeah, uh, we'll be following that on this podcast. Cause I think it might be more Rangers relevant than, uh, you would think. And yeah, they let's see, hopefully see them getting going here because if they can do all this without Truba and Panarin, once you get those guys back, yeah, I think they can hit the ground running. Thank you for listening to the Broadway boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.